I want to read to you from the most powerful book in the world, the most powerful story in the world. It says this, Early on Easter morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. And suddenly there was an earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards took with fear, shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come and see where the body was lying. Yeah, he is risen, friends. Listen, he is the resurrected Savior, crucified on the cross. And three days later, he trampled death and rose again. And it is finished, and the tomb is empty, and Jesus is alive. And that's why we are here. That's why we celebrate today. It's awesome. It's awesome. What a great day to be in church. I want to give it up for the worship team, for, for Alex and Tapsa. Huh? Aren't they great? So welcome, everybody, to Easter. What a great day to be here. And I'm just curious, kind of, you don't have to raise your hands or anything. I'm just curious, though, why we're all here. So I'm going to ask some questions. Some of you here, again, you don't have to raise your hands, but you just had to be here. You can honk your, core, your, your horns, okay? You just had to be here. You didn't want to miss it. It's Easter. Some people, perhaps, it's family tradition. Anybody here? Because family tradition. And uh, it just feels good to be here because it's a, a tradition. I think for other people, perhaps you could be uh, admit that you were bribed to be here. Come on, I'll take a bribe, okay? You're bribed to be here. We, we love that you were here if you were bribed to be here. I think for other people, maybe you feel like, yeah, not, not, I just want to go, but I don't like a church person, and uh, I just want to go and kind of come and leave, and I don't want to feel judged and all that. Hey, we love that you're here. We don't do that here. Uh, some people, they get hurt and, and all that in church, and maybe they're coming back. You know, maybe some people are wondering, is there a way to rebelief? I want to come, and it's Easter and all. So, but I think the important thing is this. No matter, for whatever reason that you came, I think the most important thing is that this, because we come for many reasons. But the thing is, how are we going to respond to Easter? That's what really that's really what today is all about. Like, how are we going to respond? I want to talk about that this morning. How are we going to respond? Because I want to show us that Easter could be more than a holiday. It is a holiday, it's a cultural thing. But I want to show us reasons why you'd actually want to believe in the resurrection. I want to show you kind of some resurrection realities. I want to show you. Uh, three reasons why you'll be better at life if you believe in the resurrection. So that's what we're going to do because it's more than meeting in a tent. It's more than meeting uh, in our cars. So we know what happened on Easter, but I want to talk about the so what. You know, we all, basically, we all know the story pretty much. And so, but I want to talk about the so what now that that's the story. I want to talk about why it is that Easter actually matters why Easter can actually impact your life 365 days a year. Not that it's a cultural holiday, do our thing. 
Easter Bunny, all that. I want to talk about how it really impacts your life. And so, uh, so this is what I'm going to talk about. But I want to begin with this. I want to begin with Good Friday. So we're all kind of in the same space there. So you know Good Friday. There's a cross. Remind us of Good Friday. And Jesus was nailed to a Roman cross. What was so special about that? There was like 10,000 Jews that were nailed to a Roman cross besides Christ. But he was nailed to the sins of, to the cross for the sins of the world. And so his followers, when he was hanging on the cross, they're bewildered. They're shocked. They're stunned. They're overwhelmed. They don't know what to do there. They're afraid. So there's Jesus bleeding out, tortured, hanging on a cross, breathes his last breath. So the sky turns dark. And so sundown Friday till Sunday, hope was dead. And think about it. Jesus, who proclaimed to be God, now is dead. I mean, what is like God is, is dead? How do you connect those dots? But yet they expected him to stay dead. They expected him to stay dead. And so the disciples, they're in meltdown mode. They're defeated. They're discouraged. Peter says, I know when a good thing is, I'm paraphrasing, I know when a good thing is over. I'm going fishing. And all the disciples were like, yeah, we're going fishing too. I mean, it's over. The dream is over. So they're running for their lives, and they're done with it. And so no one is talking like resurrection. They're not talking about, hey, come on Sunday for the resurrection rally, the resurrection countdown. There's none of that happening. So Jesus then, who claimed to be the exclusive Savior of the world, God in the flesh now, who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, how is it could be that the life is now dead? Well, that's the reality that they were dealing with. And so the one thing that God could not do, God did, and now God is dead. So that's what they're dealing with. That's the reality. And the dream is ultimately totally over. And everyone that followed, they did like you and I would do. They unfollowed. They're like finished with it. They unfollowed you. They're hitting the eject button. They're like undone. So all the followers unfollowed. So on the third day, though, not one of Jesus' followers was like having a resurrection rally. No one was recruiting people. Nobody was running around saying, hey, everybody, like, don't panic. Going to be okay. There's going to be a resurrection. That's not happening. None of the followers are running around the streets of Jerusalem inviting people. Hey, you got to come to the tomb. Going to be awesome. Like the Savior is going to blow out of that. He's going to bust out of the, the, the tomb there. And it's going to be amazing. Please come. There's no resurrection count. None of that. See, people, uh, no people are saying it's going to be awesome. Jesus is going to blast out of the tomb. Everybody got to be there. None. They're like, it's over, and we know a good thing when it's over. But day three was coming, and it was, but it was brutal, and it was final, and God was dead. And so God was actually at work engineering, orchestrating the greatest comeback of all time. And there is God working behind the scenes, and the best was yet to come, and that the most life-giving, death-defying, hope-filled day in history was about to happen. So let's look at what happened and the space that they were in in the Gospel of John chapter 20. If you are able, would you please stand uh, in honor of the Scripture, John chapter 20. The Scriptures will be on the screens if you want to read along. 
says this, early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. And she ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. Now, he wrote the gospel, so he's kind of like throwing in some little perks for himself, like, yeah, I'm awesome, the one that he loved. Anyway, so, and they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb. Uh, we don't know where they put him. And Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot, the place where Jesus' body had been lying. And dear woman, why are you crying? The, the angels asked her. Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they put him. And she turned to leave and saw someone standing there, and it was Jesus. But she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her, and who are you looking for? And she thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you put him, and I will go and get him. You may be seated. So Mary, you need to see this. She is completely mourned out, crying, weeping. She sees the resurrected Jesus, doesn't even recognize that's him. Her mind is going to a worst-case scenario. Her mind is not going to the resurrection, but going to, oh, somebody must have stole him. So nowhere in her thinking, in her mind, can she register the resurrection. It's not even a blip on her computer screen there. And so all she can think about is the body's been stolen. So again, nobody expects a resurrection. No one, she's not singing, hey, he's risen. He's going to be a lot. None of that. The resurrection was nowhere in her thinking. So you have, I want us to see this, that the church, the whole church community, and by the way, Mary Mag, you may be here this morning saying, well, I'm, I'm not like a church person, and I don't know if I should even be here. Well, the central figure to the story here, Mary Magdalene, we were just talking about, she wasn't a church person either. In fact, she had seven demons that were, that were taken out of her. And so that's the person, Mary Magdalene. Well, anyways, uh, what I want us to see here, if you're new to church, that there's a place for you. And I want to talk about the benefits of believing. I want to talk about three resurrection realities, three reasons why you want to believe, because it'll make you better at life. So the first one is this. The first resurrection reality is this, is that... The resurrection makes your life better because you have new hope. You have new hope. And how many people here would agree that hope is like pretty central to our lives? Would you agree that's pretty central? I mean, you hope uh, for the future. You know, the reason you date, actually, you're kind of hoping what might be. Uh, the reason we get married is we're hoping what could be with a family or children. Or the reason you go to college you're hoping what's on the other side of graduating. The reason you go to trade school, professional school, whatever, is what you're hoping will be on the other side of that. I mean, we hope, and it's central to who we are. The, the reason that entrepreneurs start businesses is because of hope. But when it, the Bible talks about hope in the resurrection, it's not just this kind of ethereal, out there, hoping and hope. But hope is not in just something Hope is in someone. Hope is in a person, the resurrected Christ. So in the Bible, what happened is 71 times you read about hope, only one time 
is hope mentioned before the resurrection. So 70 out of 71 times, every time you read hope, it followed the resurrection. And so our hope then, friends, is tied in to the resurrection. So uh, our hope comes from the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It is rooted in that, not in anything else if you're a follower. And so so what does that look like? Like, what are the implications of that uh, in a practical sense? Well, say you pray. Like, you're, wherever you're at in that, in terms of prayer, say you pray a prayer. Well, you can pray knowing that you're praying to a God who is alive and not dead. Not just some statue, but you are praying to the living, breath, uh, breath-giving, alive Jesus Christ. So you're praying to someone that's alive. So uh, we hope then, knowing that he is living, that he is present. In fact, the Bible puts it this way. It says, where two or three of you are gathered, like he's there. Like, how could he be there if he wasn't alive? Now, think about the implications of that. He said, Jesus says, after he's resurrected, Jesus said, anywhere in the world, anytime, any of my followers, any language, any culture, anywhere, any location, he says, I'm available to everyone in the gathering that's my following, my followers, said, and I will be there. And perhaps you've experienced this, that and the meeting was more than a meeting. I wasn't just people and hanging out. It was more than that. And you realize, like, man, God, like, God, like, touched my life. You realize that there's like this hope that you feel that's stirring in your heart because of what you experienced there. And so that's what he's talking about. Jesus said, look, because I'm alive, because I'm alive, you can encounter me in gatherings and I'm actually there. And so, friends, the first reason why you want to believe in the resurrection, why it makes you better at life, why that is your best life is because you will have new hope. I mean, like it's available to you every day. So the word resurrection in Latin, it actually means rise again. So it's not just a historical was resurrected, but the resurrection happens in you where there are dead and dying things in your life. Think about that. You all have them. Something dies, a relationship, a marriage, whatever it is, it's dead and dying. But God, by his power, can cause that to rise again within you, the dead and dying things. And so the second thing that the reason you want to believe in the resurrection the second resurrection reality is this. Not just new hope, as great as that is, but new power. I mean, how many people you could use a little power to enter into your story to live your life? Come on, somebody. You need a little bit of power. I mean, beginning with me. And so the power of the resurrection, friends, it's the power to change your life. Look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19. It says this. It's awesome. He says, and I also pray. Think about all the things he could pray for, the great apostle. This is what he prays for. And I also pray that you, that would include all of you here, will understand what? What does he pray we would understand? Watch. The incredible greatness of God's power. Like to who? To anybody? No. To, you, to, to those that believe. See, you've got to believe. If you don't believe, this, the power, you don't get the power. And so this is the same mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead. So the Bible is saying this, that the power of the resurrection is the power to actually like to change your life. The same, watch, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the power that can enter into your story. 
Enter into your story. Like whatever your story, it could enter into your story. How many people you would admit that maybe you've got willpower, maybe you've got a lot of willpower. I mean, I've got, I've got some willpower, but there's the end of the power sometimes. You know what I'm talking about? There is an end at some point to your willpower, and then it's, you need God's power when your power is not enough. So the power of the resurrection is like the power to start over. Like the Bible says, if anyone's in Christ, like they get a new start. You're a new person. And so the Bible says that you've received uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says that you can change and have a new start by the renewing of your mind. So God, is, His power is so great, He can actually renew your mind. And so the power of the resurrection is the power of a new beginning, the power of a fresh start. Not only that, it's the power to keep going. You know what I'm talking about? Where you just run out of gas. You run out of steam like you are done. It is the power to sustain you in difficult times. How many people could use some power like that? So the power of God in your life available for your relationships, available to be right with God, available to uh, when you're suffering, to sustain you, available in your moment of weakness, the power of God to muster up the power to forgive, not to be resentful, not to be bitter, not to wreck your life. See, we need the power of God. This is why Easter is so much more than just like a holiday. I mean, it could be your life. And so the resurrection reality number three is this. Not only new hope, not only new power, but a new life, a new life. I'm going to read to you Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, the words of Jesus in just a moment. But what he's saying is this, is that death, darkness, decay doesn't need to be the end of your story. You intersect with Christ through the resurrection. That's not the end of your story. Listen to what Jesus says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of hell and of death. So Jesus is saying this. Yeah, I was dead, but I got the keys. In other words, I got the power. I have the authority. I've got control. I've got the keys of hell. Now think of the implications of that. Jesus is saying that the devil, the powers of darkness, are so defeated, they don't even have the keys to their own house. Jesus says, I've got the keys to hell, and I've got the keys, the power of death, and that is in my control. And so he had, in other words, in other words, you can think of it this way, Jesus' resurrection is that he possesses the power to unlock death for everyone. Unlock dead and de decaying things for everyone. The resurrection power to take that which is dead and bring them back to life. Your debt for sometimes for a beginning uh, to take a dead heart toward God and make it come to life. Let's think about it like you can think of relationships where your, head, your heart was dead and then you just met. When I met my wife, it's like my heart came alive. And so like it had never come alive. And so, but in a spiritual sense, that's what it's like. When you, when you meet Christ, he causes your heart to come alive toward him. Like I'm telling you, friends, it has never come alive. It's awesome. And so, but he can make things that are dead, the ruination, the ruins of your life, he can actually bring back to life. He has the power over dead 
dead in darkness. And so there's Jesus saying, there's no end in life to those who trust me unless I allow it. John chapter 11, he said this, I'm the resurrection and the life who believes in me. Though yet he were dead, physically dead, yet shall he live, says, and he will never die. In other words, it will be uh, aeonios prosonios, forever and ever life, eternal life with God. So Easter, friends, reminds us that God is a life-giving God with power over death. So what I want to do in kind of wrapping this up, I want to begin to to wrap this up. and I get it that it's Easter because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to encourage you to make a decision uh, about kind of just like where you stand spiritually, sometimes for your own clarity. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, continue with Jillian mentioned to you on this little Easter survey. And I'm going to ask you to respond to uh, kind of where you're at. And I get it. Some people would say, well, like, I'm not ready to respond because I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the information about God and Easter. and So I don't know about that. Let me just ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. When you got married, did you have all the information and all the answers that you would ever have about that person? Or did you kind of learn along the way? Okay. How about when you had kids, when you decided to have kids, did you have all the answers and all the information and knew everything that there would be about kids? Or did you kind of discovered things along the way. Yep, you had enough information to decide to have kids. You had enough information to decide to get married, but you learned along the way, right? Isn't that true? Uh, you think about it, when you bought a house, did you know everything about the house before you bought the house? Or did you find things, you discovered things later on about the house? See, every major decision, how about a career? How about school? Did you know everything there was there was ever to learn about school when you were a freshman? Did you know everything there was to know? Or did you learn along the way too? But you didn't have all the information. You know everything there was to know. When you began your career, did you know everything there was to know about your career? Or did you just say, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start the career? Well, that's how it is with God too. You can't know everything there is to know. And you can't hide behind that because you can't hide behind that in any area of your life. There's no area of your life that you can hide behind. I got to know everything before I make a major decision. Every major decision you've ever made in your life, you made not knowing all the, thing, all the implications, all the things that there were to know. So maybe you're here this morning. And you, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to challenge you on Easter. It would be awesome that you might take a step toward God. Some people put it this way that God is, there's a thousand steps to take. And God sent Jesus to the earth, taking 999 steps. And there's like just like one more step to take. But that's your step. That is your step to take. So I'm, I'm just encouraging you. I'm challenging you on Easter. What a great day to say, I think that's me. Like, I think I like to put my hand in God's hand. I could like use some power, that resurrection power. I could use some hope. I could use the life that he's talking about there. And I would like to begin to, I begin to like to step into that, that, that space. Well, that's you. I, I just want to lead you in a simple prayer to do that. You see, religion is spelled do, like D-O, do, do this, do that. Do this and live, the law commands, but gives me neither feet nor hands. A better word, the gospel, the good news brings, it bids me fly, 
but gives me wings. So religion is spelled do. You may have grown up in that. Do, 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 do this, do that, don't do. But Christianity is spelled done. Like it's been done for you. It's been done. So it's massively different. So I want to encourage you in your heart of hearts just to have a little conversation with God as we close. So if you could bow your heads and close your eyes, I just want to lead us in a simple prayer. And Father, uh, thank you that we could be here. I, I think none of us are here by accident. Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts even as like I'm praying right now. Father, I pray that those of us that want to be right with you, that want to maybe begin again, those of us that perhaps in the past we, we knew what it was to know you, but for whatever reason we got distracted or walked away. And this morning we want to say yes. I want to say yes to forgiveness, yes to resurrection power, res- yes to resurrection hope, and yes to new life in Christ. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer. Father, thank you for dying for me. Thank you for what you did on the cross. I now take you as my Savior. I believe in you. I believe in Jesus Christ. Help me to know you and to walk with you. Fill me with your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.